Welcome back. This is Elite Business Live. It's our second day coming to you live from our London studio. And uh, thank you for your questions uh, that you've kept coming through the morning. And uh, particularly for using the hashtag EBL. 2021. I'm Ollie Barrett, your co-host, and we're on the theme of talent. And as if by magic, our panel appears. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for joining us. It's a bit of a reunion, actually, I must say, at the end there. Kate Cox, how lovely to see you. How are you? Uh, I'm well, thank you. What, what a year. We have got a variety, if nothing else, on this panel, Scott. I think you're going to enjoy meeting uh, the gang yeah. here. Some I know sort of by reputation, Elder. Actually, we've met, I think, maybe through the British Great British Entrepreneur have. Awards. <laughs> we have indeed. I want to hear more. But let me tell you who's here. Our theme is talent, uh, attracting talent from all over the world, challenges, what skills are missing, and what are the secrets of some of the best employers? Let me tell you who's here. Kate Cox, you're the Chief Marketing Officer of Moneypenny. You were thrown in at the deep end last year. You'd only just started. I know, I know, but here I am again. <laughs> uh, you were first class, that's why you're back. Um, Moneypenny, you're looking after people. This is assistance, but of all sorts. Just remind us in a nutshell, what are you doing and for who? Yep, so we look after um, outsourced communications and live chat and calls for about 21,000 customers across the UK and the US. And we see ourselves as a people business um, that's sort of super powered by technology. So every single person is sort of linked to their business so they feel like an extension of their team. Yeah, and in a sense, I mean, you're the CMO, the chief marketing officer. I mean, to a certain extent, marketing uh, attracts talent as well. I mean, do you see that connection? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the reason I'm on this panel is I think our brand and what we live for, our purpose, is part of our tra attracting talent. So we, need, we really need to live it in our people. So our happy people equals happy customers. So right. our business thrives. So I want to get into the secrets of that shortly. Let's jump uh, two down. Uh, Valerie Mann, you're a director of Elder. And this is about, thank goodness, treating elder people differently with, uh, with right. I guess, a fresh perspective. Tell us how you're doing it. That's right. So we actually focus on living care. And this is about um, supporting elder, your elderly loved ones mm -hmm. in, in their home. So providing the care their need, uh, the, the, the normal super, supervised and uh, specialized, but really allowing them to stay in the comfort of their home mm -hmm. with their, their loved ones and keeping the routines that, that So they don't need to leave their home. And what might be an example of the adjustment that you could make to help them live differently? So very much so, keeping to their routine. So that, that's the difference with a, a care home. Yeah. Uh, and that's the alternative, is that you keep to the routines that they love, that make them mm -hmm. and keep them happy and, and, and their, their loved ones too. I like it. So the way you're doing that is that by giving them advice, by making the changes yourself? By having carers, living carers in their home, uh, supporting them and, um, and, and really... Um, uh, slowing this this process that you can get when you go to a care home and 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 deteriorate and do not have the that that social and your roots that you keep when you're when you're at home. So Brilliant. that's we we actually provide uh, carers, living Got carers. It. No, well, thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, uh, actually, actually, Ruparilia, you are the founder of Doorstep. .co.uk. I mean, I think I think of you as a challenger, uh, it's fair to say, in this world of estate agents. Estate agents, I don't know why, haven't had, a, haven't had a good reputation over the years. And I think you saw an opportunity to change that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I run doorsteps.co.uk, which I founded about four years ago. Um, effectively, we have the goal of, as you said, changing the perception of estate agency because for, for many reasons, it's, it's relatively 
archaic, uh, perception is quite poor, stereotypically, actually second worst regarded profession after politicians, believe it or not. So um, we came to the market to try and change that. So we charged nine to nine quid to sell properties without charging commission. Um, and now we've we sold over a billion pounds worth of homes um, and teams grown to about 60 or so people. Fantastic. And you're the sole founder? Uh, that's right, yeah. So we've got a couple of really key kind of cornerstone angel investors. Um, but yeah, sole founder and I started the business when I was 17, so now, now 22. Right. Well, congratulations. That's made us all feel uh, extremely old. Thank you, actually, for that. <laughs> but not Scott, because he's 26. <laughs> Valerie, out of interest, that's not a Pimlico accent, is it? Uh, no, that's a French accent. Yeah. Whereabouts? Uh, I'm from Haute-Savoie in France. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, no, you're giving me wanderlust again. <laughs> no, no. All right. So, so our theme is talent. And what I want to understand is, are any of, in theory, if you're leading customer service at Pimlico Plumbers or Moneypenny, you could be based in Bali, perhaps. So are any of your roles based anywhere? And if not, why not? Kate, and then we'll come back through others. Um, well, for our receptionists, people who take calls, we really want them to have some connection to the office because culture is very important for us. Mm. So we do like them to be within a drive time of the office so they can come in for training, we can onboard them properly. We recruited 300 people over the last year, so we really needed to have a slick in-office and then out-of-office operations. Mm. But for other roles, we're pretty flexible. So I live in London, um, Moneypenny is in Wales. Um, I run the marketing team and have run it um, for the last two years with that discrepancy. So super flexible for certain roles um, about where people are based. So, so in theory, just briefly staying with you, Kate, how would you feel about doing that role, the CMO role from Sydney? Um, Sydney's actually a tricky one on time zones. Yes, it's right. So let's say Cape Town. <laughs> um, I think it's possible. Um, I mean, I haven't been in the office for a year. Team's still delivering. We're getting new marketing campaigns out. Um, so we're trying our best to do the work remotely. And I think some roles and skill sets, that is possible. Some... Not so possible. Right, so I'm getting, I mean, of course, we've got, you know, very much hands-on um, some plumbing scenarios, but even for you, Scott, you've got roles that in theory could be very remote. What's, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Kate with what she first said there. Is Kate, what? Mm. Kate, sorry. Kate, what she first said there was that we're a very traditional company, maybe old-fashioned in our ways, and, and company to me means company. And I'm not a great fan of working from home. I'm not going to hide that. Uh, I think customer service or whatever department this all work together you know you're, you're learning skills off of each other you know there's times you know to be with each other and around each other so for me can it be done in certain areas yes it can would we do it no we wouldn't so how local do you have to be to you to get a job at Pimlico Plumbers uh you don't have to be local at all I mean you can come from South Africa I mean if, if you if you're the person for the job and you've yeah. got the skills and the criteria and you're right and you come on to us you know we've had people come from south africa engineers we've had people come from italy spain we've helped them actually find places to actually but what i mean save. what i mean though scott is once they've come from wherever they happen to have come from you want them to be based very close to you or relatively close to you enough so they can come into the office of course look i mean you know Time-wise, we've got people who are travelling two hours a day, but we want people who can come in. It's simple as that for so us. So what, what would go right. miss, just in theory, though, just so we understand, and our guests will have views on this as well, what would be wrong with having somebody on the phone, getting all their training remotely, getting a really good sense of you, your dad, the team, 
Uh, what's, what's missing? That, that sounds very possible. Well, it's, you're missing that company feel. You know, I mean, what we're about, you know, your training, your skills, you're interlinking with people, what we're about. You're missing the ethos of it all, I personally feel. So I personally feel you need to be in there, you know. But, you know, people are working for a moment. At least not kid anybody. You know, it works for some people, Ollie, and some it doesn't. But let's be honest, I mean, I've tried working for a moment. All of a sudden, I think, I can't walk the dog. Then all of a sudden, I'm going to pop out and see me mate. All of a sudden, half my day's gone, and I'm thinking, and, and you know, I've put the telly on, I might watch the football. For me, you're not getting the best out of it. No, it makes sense. And by the way, as we say on all our panels on Elite Business Life, there isn't one right answer. No, just ask right. what works for you, Valerie, for us, what yeah. works for Elder? So we're in the process of reviewing that. Um, before lockdown, what, a year ago, everybody was in the office, obviously apart from our carers who are out there across, across the UK. Mm. Um, but really, we're, we're, with having everybody uh, at home has also worked for us. But what we're finding um, lately is the, the pressure that, um, especially from our customer service, teams who are really finding it very difficult from a COVID-19 uh, and they're really facing some tricky situations with their customers. Mm -hmm. And so you, when you've had the whole day uh, on the phone um, going through these issues, there is some kind of uh, let up that you need to have yes. and you're really suffering yourself mentally. Um, but I think there is a link to, uh, to COVID, there is a link to the situation today and the lockdown we live in right. for the future. Um, there is absolutely a possibility to have people working from home. Uh, we've proven that it works, mm -hmm. uh, but I, th I do think there is a need for uh, a base to come back to get trained. Yeah, to bond. Get bond, get that yeah. social, really understanding the, the company and then but there's that flexibility. For right, me. now actually I've got my fingers slightly crossed you're going to give us the remote <laughs> extremist view but uh, but you, you you tell me i mean ultimately property is, a, is an in-person thing yeah so so a bit of a mix of the two actually similar to, to Elder. i think we've been largely very much focused on the office working environment um because it's a very it's a mix of kind of sales customer service account management in that kind of nucleus yeah. in the office and the team just bounce really well off each other you know the average age in our office is probably late 20s mm. um just a very useful very energetic environment that being said, being a nationwide estate agency, what makes us special is that we cut all the overheads of the high street offices and we do have local property consultants that work from home. Mm. So they're the ones that actually go out and do the face-to-face -face work with the customers. Well, I've got to make the obvious observation that when we talk about diversity and inclusion, that means age diversity as well. So it, it, you sounded a note of pride and why not in the youthful nature of your workforce. And I just wonder... Uh, so Valerie doesn't say it for me. Uh, what, what about broadening that? Would there be benefit in that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been, um, and again, it depends on the roles, right? So I think we've been very much focused on hiring based on attitude. Yeah. So whether that's whether they're younger, older, whatever it might be, doesn't really matter. So our, you know, and and someone that I think coachability is really important to us. So especially in a startup, how 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 ingrained can you become in the company's and, and, and our vision for the, for the end goal and supporting mm. the customer. So our top salesperson now, for example, joined the business when he was 17 as an apprentice, one of my first members of staff, now he's 20 and the top salesperson. So how would you feel about your next big hire being, for example, 62? See, that's actually something I'm now, I'm actually leaning towards because I'm of the mindset that I'm looking at the more, I'm, I'm looking to bulk up the management team. My next hire is gonna be operations director and or sales director where 
um, it, it very much does need a lot more experience. Right. So it, it really depends on the role as well. Interesting. So, so we're going to go a little bit quick fire because we're going to change the subject around to hiring the very best. But Kate, because you've taken so many people on, 300 people, how do you make someone feel part of an organisation that they've just joined, even though they haven't yet broken bread with their colleagues around the same table? Oh, the trick. Good question. Um, good question. So we hire people remotely yeah. because we're looking for people who have brilliant customer service skills. Yeah. So you can do that on the phone. You can do that through teams. When they join, we do ask them to come into the office to be trained. Mm -hmm. um, and that, for a lot of reasons, is so that they can get the shared knowledge and the shared yeah. people experience. And then we say, you know, there's a choice whether they want to stay in the office based on government regulations or work from home um, if that is what they want to do in this pandemic situation. Mm -hmm. And then we spend an awful lot of time working on the culture. Um, we give out wow cards for brilliant customer service. Yeah. So if someone sees it, they'll get nominated by colleagues. We use Facebook Workplace, which is a great tool for um, colleagues to interact. And we spend a lot of time and thought on random acts of kindness and giving gifts out you know the whole company had brownies we gave turkeys out for all staff members for christmas or nut roast if you're a vegetarian um we did stuff for valentine's day so there's a lot of energy at the senior level you know this is ceo stuff is thinking about what valentine's gift we're giving out we actually we baked cookies for our uh, employees, NHS um, family and friends this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's that sort of techniques. stuff. Okay, okay. Um, how about getting this talent in the first place? I'm going to ask you to offer a secret just among friends, but you all attract the best. What's the secret? And Because I'm trying to get away from, oh, well, everybody does that. Scott, come on, give us, give us a quick clue. Uh, secret for us, I think the best move we made was probably in 1987, and we, uh, rather than go through agencies... We've got our own recruitment team. Uh -huh. And we've got about maybe five or six recruitment teams going through hundreds of applications mm -hmm. a week. And they know what we expect. They know the perks. You know, we have the gyms. We have to, so they know everything about us. Yeah. And they know what we're looking for. Well, I think sometimes when you're using these outside agencies, they haven't got what the ethos with the business yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. For, so for us, without a shadow of a doubt, was two, two great moves. Recruitment in-house, for yeah. us, was brilliant. And which we may come to, I don't know, but young apprentices, yeah. they're fantastic as well. They're, they're, they're the two good so, so I guess one of the challenges, Valerie, when you're building an organisation is you might not be, if I may say, as magnetic as a Pimlico Plumbers that's been established for decades. To what extent does that mean you have to be more proactive in finding talent? I was just going to say that. So we also have an ACE recruiting team. We have uh, the two of them. And uh, we're we have to be very crystal clear about our brand and, and who we are and our culture. Mm. And, and they do uh, headhunt and they do go out there and find the, the talent that we need. They're very clear about, about what that talent needs to be um, now, but also tomorrow. Mm. So that really is our, how we, we're doing it right okay, now. Okay, thank you. Now, um, actually, top tip. Um, I think for us, it's about building that wider purpose. Um, and we're very clear from the outset that actually um, we are a startup, which means we have cash constraints on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. So if you're looking at taking a job with us just for money, to be honest, I would say if you're taking any job just for money, don't take it. Mm -hmm. And I tend to say that the minute they walk in. So pause the conversation there. It's more about for us a wider purpose and being a new business. It's, it's, it's about setting the right example and making it very clear what our vision of changing the marketplace is. 
and what that revolutionary fight looks like because I found that people can really engage in that wider purpose more mm -hmm. than um, some things on paper, really. Yeah, and on that, you talked or hinted at broadening generationally, particularly bringing in that management talent. You're going to have to persuade some people to leave some pretty cushy jobs. How are you going to do that? Um, well, I think for us, as, as part of that kind of long-term fight and, and vested interest mm -hmm. is quite a big one for us. So we're setting up an EMI pot, i.e. share options. Yeah. Um, so equity is, is, is a big one for us and sweat equity on the basis that they can see the long-term future okay. and, and the value of the upside that comes beyond just money but having a real vested interest in the business. Yeah. And out of interest, Kate, I'll come for your top tip, but Scott, when we're on this subject of perks, just very briefly, I'm just thinking sometimes it's the small things that make a difference. So Are you thinking anything? of a massage? Well, I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> That's more hands-on experience in the plumbing trade, we call that. Now, what, what, what works? What, what lifts people's spirits? Uh, I, I think what we're saying is, is when people are coming on board with you, it's not just about the money. You know, yeah. I mean, it's about, you know, we have, you know, free canteen, free parking, free gym, free massage, great pension, you know, boat party, we have a summer party, Christmas party, all these things really do, yeah. Yeah. you know, bring people in towards yeah. you. So I think all these perks are important, you know, if you're going to move forward as a business, you've got to make people aware they're coming on board with you, you're part of this family, and we'll look after you. And where, where, um, thank you, Scott. Where are you on this journey, Kate? Because a lot of people must apply, but Valerie makes the point about going out and getting them. Uh, we have about four and a half thousand CVs um, that come in every year. So we've built up being an employer of choice, yeah. which is a really, it, A, that's hard work, right? To do that. Um, but B, it gives us really good access to the best people we want. We want to make sure that each of our PAs is an extension of different businesses. So if someone loves property, we want them on property clients. If someone, you know, loves pets, they're on a vet client. So it's really about matching those yeah. people with the right business. Good. Um, well, let's, um, let, let's pause there. Thank you. If you're sending in your questions, you can just click to send those in. You can direct them to the whole panel or to someone in particular. Uh, quick question, why don't we go with this. Um, what do you look for when hiring employees for your business? Obviously everyone will have a different answer on this. Crucially though, how important is their personality in comparison to the skills they bring? That's very good. Now I'm going to go for a super quick answer because I do want to know what you each think on this. But uh, we'll keep with you Kate and then Scott. Cool. We look for, can we hear a smile in their voice? Well, that's a great trait, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, but in that sense, clearly personality is important. The ability yeah, to build attitude, relationships. Yeah, personality. But you know, are you that person who, in your voice, you can convey the kindness and care to our customers? How about you, Scott? What are you looking for? Enthusiasm. Simple. Get enthusiasm there. Then, if they're coming as a plumber, the qualifications should be there. You're coming as an accountant, they should be there. Yeah. Enthusiasm. The answer for me. Isn't one problem, though, that we can all sort of fake enthusiasm to a point, maybe enough to get through an interview? How do you discover if it's the real thing? Well, Lee, we've, we've, no, no disrespect from me, I can tell somebody coming through our building and within one minute I know whether you're right or you're not. You know, that, I can honestly, and that's how I work, and I think my team, we don't get everybody right, yeah. but you just know. You know, you can tell people who are going to blag. And you yeah. can tell people are truly, and they, what do they know about your business? Yeah. You know, you've got all these bits and pieces, yeah. but I'll still stand by the enthusiasm. Isn't one of the challenges, sorry to stay with you briefly, Scott, but I can see, and frankly, back to a lot of my hospitality background, you know, if the face fit, it did or it didn't, yeah. right? There will be some skills where people aren't the best communicators, but that doesn't mean they haven't got other talents and gifts, perhaps technical mm. otherwise. So your, I know within a minute philosophy there mm. might mean you miss some of the best ones. 
Possibly, but not many. Possibly. I mean, I, I would probably stand with that. There might be the odd one that gets through. But you know, you, you just know. And I'd stand by that. Okay, interesting. Valerie, what do you make of this? Um, well, we actually go for authenticity. So mm -hmm. that really is something that matters to us and is a linchpin to our values. Uh, and um, and if, you, if you're authentic, of course, the skills and all that matters, mm -hmm. obviously. But I think that, that piece that matters to us is authenticity it, it, it's it's a sort of word that gets people with, with all due respect gets people nodding along because no one wants to say no no no, we don't need any authenticity but w w what does it mean it's in practice what is it not yeah for us it's very much around challenging the statical um, feedback being in in and that authenticity being we, we always say uh, or our our ceo peter always says be kind you don't have to be nice to me but be kind and by being kind you give me the feedback that i need so it's about having that very um, authentic approach and um, in everything that we do so mm. we we love it when people challenge us in the in the in the right way yeah. isn't isn't the challenge there sorry Valerie, I'm picking picking fines sure. with everyone today um, one of the encouragements there is almost to take the mask off to let down the barriers to be fluent in how it's candid in how we communicate isn't the trick in business to be able to behave to be able to adopt a certain persona. You know, if Scott's plumbers walked into your house and said, well, this could do with a lick of pain, it's not going to go down very well, is it? And isn't, that wouldn't go down with us very well either because we're, we're in the business of serving elderly loved yeah. ones. And, and so what matters to us is to... Obviously, you need to embrace the values and have the, <laughs> have the, the same um, ethos that we have yeah. and, and, and embrace that mission. And we do find that's, that's how we also get talent, yeah. people embrace that mission. Um, but yes, we will have some interesting conversations from, from interesting characters. Huh. But as, of course, uh, this is a professional environment and, and that counts for, no. for, for that behaviour, no, obviously. No, no, it makes total sense. Um, actually, what are you looking for? Um, I think I touched on it earlier, but coachability and willingness to learn. Mm. Um, and I think that fits into the overall attitude because by virtue of nature, we, we, we don't take on people with, we don't always take on people with huge amounts of property experience because we're trying to disrupt the status quo. We're trying to change your perception. So people that are willing to learn, willing to learn about our ways, um, but also willing to learn about different abilities that yeah. they don't currently have mm. um, and nurture that over the long term is really important for us. But Okay, so, so that makes us a sense. How do you interview for that? How do you discover that in a process? I think it's a lot of it is we, we do kind of a lot of, or not a lot of, but we do some shadowing and kind of a trial day usually. Uh -huh. So we'll actually get them in, get them on the phones. Are they willing to make mistakes? What have they learned from the mistakes? Um, if we've given them feedback on a role play, how have they taken that on? When we role play again, have they put, implemented the, the changes? So although it's a very, very tight window and absolutely we make loads of mistakes, but I think it's, it's a really nice way to get an insight into the, into the people. That's quite a cool thought, a role play. Tell me how that works. So again, depending on the role, um, if it's a customer service or sales, we'll actually give them so often, we'll, we'll, we'll have something completely irrelevant. So we'll have a sales pitch on something they're not too comfortable talking about. Yeah. Because again, when it comes to the property market, they may not be comfortable talking about it. So selling a holiday, selling a car or whatever yeah, it might be, it. and we'll do that role play interaction. Um, all the guys on our team will a few times 
yeah. and see how they come across, how they're questioning, how they're objection handling, and how do they then take our feedback on. Nice. How about that? I mean, that sounds like absolute perfect territory for Money Penny. Kate, how, how, uh, how does it play in practice? Yeah, we do that in our training programme, actually. We ask our groups of uh, newbies to set up their own small business and then role play how missing a really important call might be for them so we really try and get them to think in the the moment of the you know wear their customers shoes so they really understand the importance yeah. of communications for yeah them. and to what extent does it play a role as you recruit or is it more when they've got in Th that one is more when they get in yeah. um but you know what, what about this thought of um talent without boundaries and i just wonder you know we technically now we've been through brexit how confident are you that you can attract the talent you need from anywhere valerie thank goodness we managed to get you here yeah yeah i've, I've been here for a while so that's okay <laughs> i'm sticking here um well it's obviously a bit more challenging from a, a regulation perspective yeah. but i think we can overcome that ah. um the question for me is more uh where do people want to go uh, it's it's the the other way around and uh and can we support having uh, people working from anywhere, uh, from a from a, a legislative tax perspective. Or, or Got it. Particularly because, as you say, you're rethinking this. So, if mm -hmm. somebody says, "Please, can I work from Haute Savoie?" That's right. Well, you need a tax or uh, immigration exactly. answer to that. So that's really, really for for smaller businesses. I think that's something to consider. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've had over the years, Scott, a slightly famous skills gap, haven't we? Particularly in some of the skills that you are a master in as a firm. How? How is it these days to attract the talent we need in this country? Yeah, it's getting more difficult, Ollie, especially in the, in the building and plumbing game, you know, because unfortunately a lot of the schools, uh, you know, they don't really emphasise what, you know, how well you can do as a plumber or as an electrician. As a Everything seems to be university, go to university, got a great job. Well, it's not the case. You go to university, run up a bill, you don't necessarily get a job. Yeah. You can't get an apprentice, mm. apprenticeship under your belt. You've got a job for life. So for us, we're massively on, because the skill gap's there, we're massively on dealing with apprentices. So mm -hmm. we have about 70 apprentices at the moment. And you imagine when they come on board, like my son did, he's 25 now, but he come on at 16, he's earning £30 a day, so you're earning while you're learning. Yep. These apprentices don't know any other way but your way, Ollie. So you imagine they only know Pimlico. You turn up on time, you dust sheet out, you get the job done. So you're moulding these youngsters got it. into the, in the finished article and the time they're 23, 24, You've got it. Yeah, the next thing you know, they're running the company. Yes, right. The baton passes. <laughs> but on this international question, to what extent is it harder now than it was pre the B word to get talent from overseas? Yeah, it's, it's more difficult. Of yeah. it. I mean, you know, you, you can get permits, you can get round it. Uh, and, you know, it, it is more difficult. It is certainly more difficult. But in the same aspect, you know, if somebody's right for your business, then you will get them there. Right, so actually London is a magnetic city. You want to be attracting talent, presumably, from anywhere. Is anything going to get in your way? Or what is going to get in your way? Um, I think we've, yeah, as I said, we're looking at slightly more senior hires at the moment. So that's a journey that um, we're still kind of learning about and embarking upon at the moment. Um, we sit in Greater London, so hasn't been too much of a problem thus far. Um, but at the same time, similar to, to, as Scott said, we're looking at the government's kickstart scheme right. um, as well, which is putting 16 to 24 year olds into work. Um, and I've actually started a separate business which helps businesses get access to the kickstart scheme. They're good because mm. that's so, not as easy as it looks either, is oh, it? Oh, no, it's <laughs> nothing what the government is. No. So we're in, so just in our final few seconds, Kate, is there a sort of magic dust that you really struggle to find at the moment? I'm thinking Money Penny is on a formidable journey. You've talked about the personality, the smile as you talk sort of thing, but uh, what, what, what is that elusive skill? 
Oh, kindness, I think. Kindness from top to the bottom. Um, we operate a sort of servant leadership model, so even senior management is supporting staff who are actually doing the job on the operations and kindness throughout the company is... Yeah, it, it, it really strikes me just chatting to uh, all four of you today how much we could all learn from each other, actually, mm -hmm. just in terms yeah. of plotting different ways of doing stuff. What worked for you? What worked for us over here? So I'm really grateful to that. So, uh, Kate, welcome back. It's lovely to see you, Akshay, as ever. Till next time I dish you out an award, probably <laughs> very soon. Uh, Valerie, thank you for bringing uh, everything to the stage, and particularly uh, with all you're doing with Elder. And Scott, thank you so much. And Thanks, thank Robert. you for uh, doing an amazing double out there as we, as we uh, cut off and then regained connection with Dubai. That oh, was no, thank you. Thank you. Onwards. Thanks for all you do. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Well, our panel are now going to make their way off the stage to go and see my colleague and co-host Hannah Previtt for some one-to-one -one conversation. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming up later on in the day. Five past two, the breakout session uh, powered by our friends at BT. That's on the Ring Central platform. Please sign up for that. What are we talking about later? Well, firstly, finances, uh, planning different scenarios. How do you do that? Uh, what does that look like in practice? And uh, finally, what about the massive conundrum of going global? Um, what can we learn uh, from Asia Pacific? as a hotbed of opportunity. What could we be doing differently? If you've enjoyed what you've seen so far, please spread the word, hashtag EBL2021. For now, it's over to my co-host, Hannah Previtt. Thank you, Ollie, another brilliant panel. And I think this really goes to show what a challenge talent really is for small businesses, for growing businesses, and indeed large businesses. So at the Times and Sunday Times, where I spend lots of my time, we have our annual CEO summit. So some of the CEOs and leaders of you know, the largest companies in the world. And when we ask them what the biggest challenges are that they're facing, talent is always in the top five. So it goes to show it really is a perennial issue. So I'm really thrilled now to be joined backstage by each of our panellists, one by one. They will come and join me up here. Scott, if I could just invite you to come and join me over here. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much for all your contributions on the panel and hearing from your dad as well. That's okay. Um, I, uh, does he ever... Does he ever put you in hot water? Have you yeah, quite often. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I see the PR stuff, I'm like, oh, well, this he's got an opinion, as he says, and uh, he's going to say what he thinks. Do you think you'll follow in his footsteps in that way? Do you think you'll also be, you know, uh, contributing to the press and colleagues like mine will be calling you up for um, some colourful quotes? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Listen, he's got an opinion, I have an opinion, mm -hmm. and uh, whether people like it or not, that's down to them. But no, I will be going down the same path, no doubt. So in terms of kind of what drives you, I think Charlie is always very clear and I love the way he's really unashamed about, you know, it being about, you know, kind of financial gain, right? He mm. wanted to have the nicer things in life is how he would put yeah. it. What drives you? So is it kind of continuing the family legacy? Uh, you know, is it is it some of those um, kind of material things as well? Do you like the nicer things in life? Um, and also, you know, kind of growing the business, I suppose. There must obviously be a huge amount of personal satisfaction in growing a successful business. So what is it that gets you out of bed yeah, in the morning? Yeah, what gets me out of bed? I mean, listen, I mean, my dad had, a, a, you know, not such a nice things. And as a 
childhood I did. So mm. don't get me wrong, my childhood was great and I've got no problems with that. But what, what does really drive me is, is I want to keep the Pimlico tradition going. I want it to go down my family, keep it going. I'm so proud of what we got. And, and financial side is fantastic and I love it. And don't get me wrong, I want to keep having the great stuff in life. That, that never changed for me. But what is nice is when you may go out to a restaurant, you go to a place and people say, oh, I've used you guys Pimlico. What fantastic company, brilliant family run business. So for me, which wakes me up is I want us to say top of the tree and I want it to be knocked down to my family and you know, we all have the same values. Mm-hmm. And potential, uh, you know, national expansion as a journalist. My ears are uh, my ears are pricked listening to this. Is that something that you might be leading That's in right. the months and years to come? Well, w- without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you know, I asked my dad why he never done it and he simply said, you know, it's the, you know, we've got so much in London we've got to get to. And I agree with that. You know, we've still got a lot in London. But at the end of the day, my dad's coming to the end of things now at 70. Well, you know, <laughs> 50 <laughs> but at the end of the day I'm not I'm 50 and now it's my time and my family's time and yes without a shadow of a doubt we will end up going nationally I've got no doubt on that over the next few years definitely so you will be recruiting around the country so that will be interesting to see the talent cha- challenges that you face in perhaps the Midlands or the North yeah. that you don't have here we do but we already recruit around the country because our standards are so high we, we are looking in Liverpool, Birmingham people come down and stay in the base stay in London we help them stay somewhere so we're already recruiting here there and everywhere for the best we're already doing that but yeah I mean it's exciting times for us mm-hmm. one last question for mm. you I've saved the best till last I want to talk to you about female plumbers okay yes. so diversity is obviously a hot topic you don't see that many female plumbers are you doing anything about it when you bring in apprentices for example do you have any it, it's changed it's changed to, if you asked me that question five years ago I would have been you would have had me standing here like were you sure but now <laughs> things are different we've got about 12, 12 lady plumbers out there now. They're superb. Customers ask for them as well. You know, so people feel more comfortable with them. Going through the apprentices, we've got 70 apprentices and maybe 20 of them are ladies now. So the tide's turning big time. And for the better, because I've got to be honest with that personal touch, they're a level above. So, really? Yeah. That's great news. Yeah. And I hope that that's something that you will continue to kind of, you know, really keep an eye on and reinforce. Oh, we will be. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We'll be pushing and pushing with the young ladies, definitely. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time no, thank today. You. We've Thanks really enjoyed us. having you. All right. thank Thanks you. a lot. See Scott well. Mullins there. So now, if I could invite uh, Valerie to come and join me. Hello, Valerie. How are you? Okay, good. Thank Isn't you. Isn't it exciting seeing humans in real life? Very, very. And t- kicking off my leggings. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Although some people, I think, might have a nice, nasty shock when they start wearing things with waistbands again. That's right. Um, so I'm um, looking forward to hearing a bit more about what you're up to at Elder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really challenging time. We're all aware acutely of the kind of social care crisis. And I think... It's fair to say the pandemic has really shone a light on how important our care workers are to all of us. My mum is actually a social care worker, so I feel really strongly about Mm -hmm. it. So how do you really kind of throw your arms around that part of your workforce and make sure that they're happy, they have all the tools they need to do their jobs and that, yeah, they can deliver to the best of their ability? Yeah, so we do quite a lot with our, for our carers and uh, probably uh, not enough, and, but, but, um, but do a lot. And this is our, one of our big strategic goals as well for uh, the next year. But um, we have a team uh, who supports our carers and from just, not just from a day-to-day perspective, making sure they're successful, making sure that they're heard once, when in, in the home of our customers. And we, also, we have a great um, team who, whose purpose is just that. We also have a care engagement team who uh, organizes some, especially remotely now, they organize these sessions three times a week where we call them carer hangouts, where they can actually share what they're going through and talk to other carers, building a community uh, so that 
uh, we can support them, but also they can support one another, which is not something that um, they the industry would have been used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that kind of peer-to-peer sharing, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is, I think, like you say, a kind of industry first. Yeah. Do you think the perception of care and care workers has changed over the last 12 months? You know, it was it was viewed by some as kind of low status job, but unfortunately not helped by kind of low wages. Yeah. But all of us see now that incredible value, don't we? Absolutely. I think that's really shown a light. Um, and also specifically for our sector, which is elderly care, uh, there's also been this uh, COVID crisis for care homes and we're uh, uh, obviously have customers that have come our way this way. But from our, our carer perspective, we, we're we very, very fortunate that we see we have a care of the week section in our all hands every week where we, we see the best the best carer for that for that month and the work that they do. We're acutely aware, I think, from a, from a public perspective, absolutely, that has shown uh, not only... Well, I'm just every day amazed at... Uh, not just the the work they do, but the release, resilience they have, the the the, the vocation that comes with it, um, it's, it's phenomenal. So mm-hmm. I, I I find I find it's um, so so grateful to see the the, the light on this this week this year. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm afraid we're going to have to move on, but thank you, Valerie. Thank That's you so incredibly much. important. I think it's something that most of us feel really passionate about, particularly with the, the those generations. So thank you for your time thank today. You. If you thank you for head having up me. in that direction. Thank you so much. Actually, come and join me. I know the minutes are ticking away, <laughs> but I have an important question for you. Yes. You're a young founder, I think it's fair to say, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember interviewing Ross Bailey of Appear Here a few years ago. I'm not sure if you're familiar okay. with him. Yeah. He founded Appear Here, I think he was 22. Uh, and you are even younger than that and he told me that one of the biggest challenges he faced was hiring people senior people who were actually much older than him and some of those kind of challenges around managing people who were older than him perhaps had more experience etc can you talk to me a little bit about that because you said you're making some senior hires at the moment yeah absolutely so that again that's a learning curve at the moment um, which is really interesting but I think We've reached a stage in the business where, you know, it started when I started when I was 17, knocking on doors and I was trying to convince people to sell the biggest asset in their, asset in their lives with us for 99 quid. So the age, the price, it, it just seemed a little bit too incredulous at the time. So I think over time I've learned that actually the passion that I've got for the business and the credibility of what we have built so far, as well as the journey that we're about to embark upon, Um, a combination of those um, and I think it's really about my belief in the process and I think when they see my belief it's it's easier for them to imitate that so yes very difficult but I think it's come slightly easier over time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do you know what I'm afraid that's all we have time for (laughs) but that's a really I think that's a really insightful answer and I think it's something that lots of young founders have definitely told me over the years they struggle with so thank you very much for those reflections actually there and last but no means least hi Kate how are you doing? Very well, thank you. So I remember I interviewed Rachel um, from Money Penny years and years ago, um, and we hear a lot about the cult of the kind of entrepreneur and the founder, right? So it's mm-hmm. all about the founder. Um, how, how how much is that true now? You know, kind of in the business with Rachel and Ed, obviously her co-founder. Um, you know, kind of passing the baton on and how important are they to the culture? So they set an amazing internal culture. So the standard was like super high um, and they were, um, and Ed's still with the business for 20 years. But what they did is 
hired similar people in the, the leadership below. So actually, um, I said on stage, it's sort of a servant leadership model. Um, so the senior leadership team are really supporting the people on the ground, the operations, the sort of lifeblood of our business. Um, so, I, you know, Joanna Swash is our CEO. She's with being, been with the business for 14 years and she's, you know, living embodiment of that culture. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing you could say she's a living embodiment is of the kind of personal development journey mm-hmm. that you can have with a fast growth business like Money Penny, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's kind of two, two sides to this. You can either have an exposure to kind of lots of different skills um, or, you know, in some other businesses it's quite flat because there's not necessarily the hierarchy. It can be quite difficult to navigate your, you know, your way through from a personal development point of view. So are there good personal development opportunities at a company like Moneypenny? It's great with a growing company. So we've moved into the US, we bought a completely different company um, during lockdown actually in February 2020. So we've had a lot of learning in how to integrate um, new companies remotely via Teams, via Zoom um, as part of, part of our last year uh, experience. Wow. But yes, at growing companies you get a lot of opportunities to make things happen. So that's amazing. Not, not content with having a pandemic to deal with, you also go for a merger. I know, right? <laughs> Keeping you on your toes. Um, so one last quick question for you, and I think this is one that's cropped up in lots of events I've done, is about kind of maintaining a universal employee experience, whether they're remote, whether they're in the office, you know, whether they're doing a hybrid yeah. kind of version of the two. So we, kn- we talk a lot about the customer experience, but how important is it that the employee has the same experience, regardless of where they are absolutely critical happy happy customers equals happy employees the other way around happy employees equals happy customers um, we do it we use our um, workplace by Facebook um, we're probably the most engaged company on there all our staff are on it about 100% of our staff are on it once a month 98% um, once a week and that is a really good tool for sharing getting support sharing brilliant moments you know all that good stuff um, of trying to take that office culture and take it remote to keep people supported and engaged okay that's a really great practical tip to end on thank you so much for your time today some great insights there